Welcome everyone to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Leidig, and welcome to another show. This week we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics and something that I kind of got away from and have been moving back to um, over the last week or so, and that is mental masterminds. And if you don't know what a mental mastermind is, basically... It is where, in your imagination, you bring together a group of people who uh, perhaps you admire, you look up to, that you see as knowledgeable on a given topic that you are lacking information on, and then ask questions of them to see what they're going to say. It sounds a little kooky. It sounds a little weird. Um... I've been doing it off and on for a solid 10 years, if not longer. Um, and honestly, I don't remember like what inspired me to try it. It probably, I think it was Think and Grow Rich. I actually is where I think I got that from originally. Um, and I, I really wanted to belong to a mastermind, but you know, back then couldn't afford it didn't live near anybody who I would even want to aspire to become in business or anything like that. All I knew is that I needed help and I needed it fast. I needed, you know, ideas for my business and all of that. And so I decided to try this mental mastermind thing. Just imagine, you know, different people that I could ask questions of. And uh, I remember the first time I tried this, um, I've, it's been a, a couple of times. First time I tried it, um, I got like almost immediately, there were three or four guys. I don't even remember who I had in a room, like this imaginary room, um, the first time. And I just asked a question and the question was really simple. So what's next? Like what, what would be a good topic for me to, to explore, you know, in my business to potentially create a course out of, you know, that kind of thing, uh, for my online business. And, um, almost immediately I got these ideas that I hadn't thought about. Um, they weren't even on my radar. You know, I actually had to research them a little bit and ended up, uh, becoming courses, uh, that I taught. Uh, most of them related to the public domain, which, you know, I've taught a lot about over the years. Um, and then, um, I've also done it with, uh, like single individuals. Like I remember some of these stories I've told before in other settings, not all of them though. Um, but I remember one time I was looking for something new and, uh, one of my early mentors, uh, is, uh, Jim Edwards. And I mean, we've been friends now for years and everything. And it's, you know, I've even been a mentor to him at times, which is kind of cool, you know, when the student becomes a teacher, but, um, I still, you know, really admire him and all of that. But back when I was first getting started, I didn't know him. I had not met him at that time. Um, but I still looked up to him. And, uh, so I remember, um, <laughs> weirdly enough, uh, being in a shower and feeling a bit exasperated. Like, I don't know what 
I'm going to do here. I need an idea. And so I just closed my eyes while I was standing in the shower and I imagined myself sitting in front of Jim Edwards uh, at this table. And I said, Jim, I feel like I've exhausted everything that I could teach regarding public domain, which in hindsight is a very much a ha ha because that was like 10 years ago. And, you know, I've taught a lot more since then, but, um, but at the time, you know, I was still getting started. I didn't know. And, uh, I said, is there anything that I've missed that, um, that I've never considered before that I should give focus and attention to? And, uh, right away he responded and said, um, I think you should look at magazines. And I said, really? Like, I never even thought about magazines before. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you should check it out. And I got really excited. Um, so as soon as I got out of the shower, I have, I always have notepads or something wherever. I have one sitting right next to me now. Um, and so I got out of the shower and I wrote this down. I dated it. Um, wrote it down one of my notepads. And then, you know, once I got to doing some of my work, I, for, I forgot about it, um, you know, just that quick. And uh, I actually didn't come across that insight until almost a year to the day later. Um, that notepad, I also had kept a number of my passwords in uh, for some of the sites as before LastPass existed and all of that, which I is what I use now. But um, I remember flipping through my note, uh, my notepad and come, I came across the note that I had written, you know, about Jim saying magazines. And so it piqued my curiosity once again. And, uh, so I decided this time I was going to check it out, you know, just, just because. And so I did about 15 or 20 minutes worth of Google search research. And, uh, I was blown away. Um, I had never considered uh, using content from old magazines before. I didn't even, just never even occurred to me. But what I discovered was that um, 90, over 96% of all magazines published before 1964 had never renewed their copyrights, which meant there was a lot of content in the public domain uh, from magazines, images, articles, you name it. And so that discovery, uh, based on Jim's prompting, Jim, you know, imaginary Jim, uh, led uh, ultimately um, for me to create multiple courses around magazine content. First one was called Public Domain Magazine Secrets. And then after that was um, Limitless Blog Content. So I just took the same information and focused it a lot more on posting the blogs. And those two courses ended up becoming my biggest hits ever from a training perspective, um, which was kind of awesome, <laughs> of course. And of course, I've taught on that topic uh, a number of times since then, um, including as recent as last year in Public Domain Reboot. I had a whole module or a whole course on periodicals, including magazines and newspapers and such. And so, um, 
it's worked really well. Now, was that Jim really talking to me? Well, I actually told him about the whole thing. And of course, he had no clue. Uh, and, you know, you could make it sound all kinds of interesting and ethereal, saying, well, it was his subconscious connecting to my subconscious and whatever. Uh, chances are likely that it was just my subconscious getting the information to me through um, the manner that I presented to it, um, which in this case was Jim. Uh, for all I know, it could have been aliens. I mean, I don't really care. Um, what I do care about is that it worked and uh, the result was pretty cool. And so um, there's been other times over the course of 10 years that I've uh, had different masterminds. I remember one time, like, I think one of the things that intrigues me about the process is how unexpected um, the results can be, um, especially if you take a very disciplined approach to make sure that you're not influencing the outcome in any way, which could be very easy to do um, based on my own experience. And so I remember this one time, I usually I have these masterminds or I create these masterminds because there's, you know, direction that I'm fuzzy on or I'm looking for some, you know, the latest new thing or whatever uh, to present in my business or I'm uh, at a bit of an impasse and need to, you know, get a breakthrough or if there's something personal that's been dodging me and I can't, you know, pinpoint it. I'll often, uh, pull together a little mastermind to help me with that. And, um, I remember one time I was looking for some business input. And so I, I had an office in downtown Chambersburg and I remember I had one of those big Papazon chairs, uh, which I always love those things. So I got in my Papazon chair and I put a blanket over my head <laughs> to make it dark. Like somehow that makes it easier. I don't know. Um, and so I imagined this boardroom. Um, and in the boardroom there was, I don't remember how many chairs, like six or eight maybe. And usually what I'll do is I'll imagine who is sitting in each one of those. And usually it's just people I admire or whoever. And I remember with this one, I don't recall everybody who was there. Like some of the folks were, were obviously still alive. Some of them not. Like I had Napoleon Hill there and I think Pat O'Brien and Russell Brunson and a couple others that I imagined in this room. And so... Once I had them like in my mind's eye around this uh, boardroom, which I can still see it today. It's funny. Um, I imagine myself walking in and sitting down at the head of the table and looking around at each of them and then sharing what, what I was looking for. Um, you know, some business insights and stuff like that. And then I imagined myself saying, you know, I'm going to leave you to it. Um, I'll come back tomorrow and get your input and, you know, we can go from there. And so then, you know, I kind of edit, ended it and went about my day. So the next day I, um, did the same thing, got in the pops on chair, covered my head up with blanket 
And then I imagine myself walking down this hallway to the door that I knew uh, led into the boardroom where all these guys were. And like, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, it's imagination, you know, so you don't quite know what to expect. But whenever I walked through the door, what I saw was really not what I expected. Um, And so I saw the guys all sitting there and um, there's like pizza boxes and empty cans and bottles of beer everywhere. (laughs) Like, I don't drink beer. I love pizza, but I don't drink beer. And so it was like, whenever I saw it, it really surprised me, you know, because it wasn't like I was trying to imagine that scenario. I just figured it'd be the same thing. I'd see this boardroom with table and, you know, dude sitting around it. Uh, So anyway, I walked in and I saw this mess. And I said, first thing I said was, or thought, you know, and this is all in my head, imagination. I thought uh, to them, what's with the pizza and beer? And somebody spoke up and said, you don't expect us to work all night without uh, eating or drinking, do you? And I'm like, I guess not. That makes sense. (laughs) Other than the fact that you're imaginary, um, you know, it it really makes you wonder if you're certifiable whenever you start getting interaction like that. But anyway, so once we got past the pizza and beer, um, I just had them go around the table and share the insights that they got. And again, I found that, especially even in that case, it's real interesting for us to very quickly want to insert our own impressions in what they're saying. In other words, influence the conversation. And it can be um, a bit challenging at first to stay neutral, you know, or separated um, so that you're not projecting. I mean, in a manner of speaking, I guess you could argue that if it is indeed being driven by your subconscious, you are projecting. Um, but in that case, it's not um, it's not a conscious influence. I'm trying to pick the best words to share what I'm thinking. Um, so you're not consciously influencing the outcome. Uh, and that's not what I'm interested in. I mean, if I was going to consciously influence the outcome, why would I even do it to begin with? I just want to hear what they had to say. Um, and so... You know, they gave me input and it was extremely helpful. And I put into play several things that they shared and it worked. It worked great, actually. Now, here's where it gets kind of weird. <laughs> as, if, as if that's not weird enough. I went years without doing that again. And what's so odd about it is that... um Every time that I did that, it worked. You know, I got really cool insights. Now, it's not to say that I don't get input. I mean, as many of you know, um, I do a lot of, I call pacing, but just kind of walk around through my house at night. Um, I don't do it every single night, Um, but several times a week normally still um, after almost 10 years. And, uh, well, nine years, I started it like right after, right before my dad died. So that's been, it'll be 10 years next year. Um, 
And so I, I still do pace a lot. And so in summer, it's not like a mastermind per se. Uh, so it's just me basically asking questions to God, the universe, whoever it is that's, you know, talking inside my head. Um, and I'll get feedback and responses. And usually I'll have like a, like a notepad again, like an eight and a half, 11 ruled notepad. And then I like I'll put it on the table or something like that. And then as I'm getting stuff, I'll just start writing it down. And just the other night I was doing that and um, got like a couple pages of notes. It was just like a brain dump. And it was very interesting because I was asking extremely specific questions. But the mastermind dynamic I hadn't really done. Um, and I like it a lot. And as I started thinking about it, it's like, I don't know why I didn't do it. I mean, it's like you have this thing that works that is giving you legit insights that make a difference, whether you're looking for a new product to create or you're looking for a breakthrough in a personal matter or whatever the case may be. Um, and you get something that's useful every time you think you would use it all the time. Right. But yet I wasn't and I haven't been. And there would literally be years they would go by and I would talk about it like I am now and everything. And, you know, uh, people were intrigued by the process, but yet I wasn't using it. And I think part of the reason why is because of the constant, almost daily interaction that I have going on. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, because I'm still getting input, just not from an imaginary group of people sitting around the table. And so, um, last week i guess it was it the the whole idea of mental masterminds came back to me again and uh it's one of the reasons why i'm talking about them now and uh so i i felt like kristen and i have been working on restructuring our businesses and uh merging them together and some different things like that uh for um, maximum efficiency and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, we have between the two of us, we have three major companies and then subsets below some of them. Um, and then personal accounts and joint accounts and business accounts. And I mean, it's, it's crazy to keep track of some of this stuff. And so We've been looking for ways to streamline. We've been looking for um, ways to shift certain things in our businesses so that it's more profitable or more efficient, whatever. And um, and so I decided, you know, I could pull together a mastermind and just, <laughs> you know, ask them what they think. And so that's what I did. I decided that I would have four people plus myself. And, um, just, I decided to choose folks who were based on like people who I admire, but, um, that had very specific skill sets to the kinds of answers that I hope to, to get from this. And, uh, so I decided that the four people were going to be, um, Joe Vitale, who's been a longtime friend and one of my first mentors in the online space. Um, 
and then um we have uh joseph murphy who um he writes a lot of books on your subconscious mind and uh all of that just really amazing books i have most of them and have read most of them and they're awesome and um and then let's see who else uh bob proctor um who i really like and respect and um the last one was uh marcus lamonis you know the prophet on television and i the thing i like about him is that he's very practical very straightforward but also caring um very incredibly direct which i really appreciate and so each of them have their own unique, you know, things that I thought they could really bring something cool to the table, quote unquote, um, <laughs> that I could use. And so what I decided to do was take the same approach that I did from years ago, where I would imagine a boardroom and all of that. But what's interesting is this time, whenever I walked into the boardroom in my mind, the layout was really interesting. Um, the uh, there was like, let's see if I can describe it. So there were two tables that were like kind of like rectangular, but they were set up uh, like in a like to form a chevron, if you know what that means. So like they were at an angle with the peak. Um, in the center and so there were two guys on each side and then um, there was like a, another angle it didn't form a diamond it was more like a kind of like a an elongated diamond where the the half toward me was longer than the half toward them if that makes sense and then there was a, a seat right at the top of this um, the other half of the diamond so it was very structured chevron like very modern looking which i've never seen anything like that so i'm not quite sure like why that particular layout you know came out i mean it could have been a round table that would have been fine but it was kind of cool looking and so i imagined um the seating where um to the left on the left table was um joe vitale and bob proctor and then on the right was um uh joseph murphy and uh, marcus right and so that's how i imagined it and um so whenever i got into that space where i was ready to talk to them i noticed that immediately that the chair where joseph murphy um belonged was empty and like, what in the world's going on here? And, and like, I couldn't ask any questions that it was so strange. Like I couldn't ask any questions. And I, at first I couldn't figure out what was going on. This is just last week, um, but I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me that while I've read many of Joseph Murphy's books, I never actually saw a picture of him. I had no idea what the guy looked like. No frame of reference nothing and so as a result there was a disconnect in my mind in this mental mastermind and i couldn't move forward with it because of this disconnect so i kind of 
you know, broke out of that, <laughs> ran and got my phone, <laughs> did a search for Joseph Murphy images, just so I could see what the dude looked like, right? Uh, it was the funniest thing. And so I, I looked at several pictures and all that, and so I got uh, a clear picture of what he looked like in my mind. And then went back to this room, and of course it still looks the same. Um, except now he's in his seat, <laughs> which is a good thing, I guess. And um, and so then I posed the question to them, what I needed, or you know why I brought them together, so to speak. And uh, I'm not going to reveal their interaction or anything like that, but... Um, What's really cool. Uh, oh, and there's one thing that I forgot. And I just happened to look over here at my um, uh, my notes from one of my pacings. I didn't even realize this was here until just now. Um, the idea to do this mastermind came out of one of my pacing times where I was just ask, asking questions and getting input. And one of the things that came to me, which I have written down here, um, was put together a mental mastermind. And so that's, that's what precipitated that. Um, and so, so I asked the question and, um, what was interesting was like different ones shared, uh, one piece and it was a little bit different because it wasn't like an idea that was a solution to the question that I asked. Um, this time it was, they were each either giving me an assignment of something to do, like research. Like one of the things that Marcus gave me to do, which not that I know him, but in seeing him work, it isn't really surprising that he would give me this assignment was to um, map out my income over the last three years uh, so that I could see the strengths and weaknesses and why certain, you know, certain months were stronger than others and, you know, what was going on in my personal life in the peaks and valleys and all of that. So it wasn't about identifying a cool new course that sold really well then so I should focus on that topic again. That wasn't it at all. It was more to associate my income levels based upon what was going on with me personally. Okay. So like that was one assignment that I got, uh, in that, which I've done. Um, and then another one was, um, just a reminder of something that I had forgotten about. It's like, you used to do this and you've done this before. You can do it again. This was a reminder. You need to find that reminder and, you know, uh, and so it was really cool that each one of them gave a very unique input to me um, based on who they are as a person, which is why I picked them anyway. Um, now, again, was it really them or was it just my subconscious taking on their role? I don't care. I mean, honestly, I don't care. Like, I could have had Rihanna there for all I know, except I don't follow her. Um, so to me, I don't see it as a mystical thing at all, or, you know, some kind of, a, you know, weird archetypal story kind of thing that happens. I, I really just think it, I'm tapping into my 
subconscious or unconscious mind, um, using them as uh, avatars, I guess, if you will. But again, I don't really care if it works. So that's that's kind of me. And it does work. So the another interesting dynamic that happened this time is that they only gave me one little piece, and it was an assignment. Um, each of them gave me something to do. And, I mean, they literally told me in this interaction, when you're done doing this, come back and we'll give you the next step. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, uh, I brought you together here in my head. <laughs> you know, I want it all now. And it just didn't work that way. Um, and so I did what they told me to do. Went back and formed that again in my mind. Imagine myself walking into the room again, sharing that I did what I did. And, you know, they were like, okay, good. Now, here's the next thing that you need to do. Or this is why we had you do what we told you to do. And so it's been an ongoing process. But the big thing um, for me here with this is that it occurred to me once again, why have I not been doing this all along? You know, and I don't know that I would continue, like, I'm not done going through this process with this current group. Um, but I don't think, like, based on my experience, it doesn't, like, it's not like I have to stick with the same four guys now because that's who I pick. Like, I could have guests come in, I could, you know, imagine whatever, but. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about this process, other than, you know, potentially caring, uh, considering the notion that I'm insane, is that um, there's unexpected things that happen, unexpected dynamics that have taken place. And there's been a couple times where I've caught myself recently um, in these scenarios where I could feel my mind wanting to fill in blanks or they're going to say this or, you know, I like I would catch myself imagining what they would say. And that's not what I'm interested in. That's not what I'm trying to create here. I'm trying to get a completely uninfluenced response, you know, as pure as possible. And, um, it's been working. I mean, it's been uh, really cool. And some of the challenges that um, this group has given me has really made me uh, think about some things that either I've never considered before or that, um, you know, I forgot. And then, you know how we are, <laughs> you know, we see or hear something, read something, Somebody tells us something and we're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. And we do it. We, you know, we take action. We see a response. It really works, whatever the case may be. And then we promptly forget to do it ever again. You know, we get that uh, instant fix in the moment. And then we promptly forget how we got that instant fix. It's like being addicted to drugs almost. In, in some ways, it's like, oh, okay, you know, like the world is falling apart until you get that fix. Not that I've ever done drugs. I haven't. But, um, you know, you get that fix and then, you know, the fix might be chocolate. 
And then you're like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is great. And then you promptly forget about everything. And uh, so one of the lessons for me personally, and that I, if you've never done anything like this before, uh, my first challenge would be uh, to try it, you know, to see what happens. You are not insane. You're not crazy. Um, but don't put limitations on what might or might not happen. Because uh, if you break it down, and this is my perspective, I've not really read much on doing this other than the initial inspiration. But based on my own experience, what I've found is that, in essence, what's really going on is you are giving permission to your subconscious to give you answers that it has. It has those answers. Um, because it, it's working with a lot more data than we are consciously. I think I shared last week or a couple of weeks ago, like the amount of data that we could, that we take in, um, through our senses and all of that, um, is an insane amount of data, millions of bits per second. But our conscious mind can only process like, several hundred or maybe a thousand bits per second. And so there's a lot more information that we have access to that we aren't even aware of uh, at all because our conscious mind can only um, catch so much of it. It can only process so much at a time, but it's still all going in there. It's still getting into our subconscious and then even our unconscious. And so in essence, you're just giving permission for your subconscious to say, try this, you know, uh, and we may not have thought about it before because we didn't process that bit of information. Doesn't mean that it isn't there, but um, it just hasn't been processed. It's like um, I've been teaching a class on DNA research for genealogy and health and all that, and I was working on the uh, module for tonight's class and it's about third-party processors for like uploading your DNA and uh, to third parties to get additional information about yourself. I made some interesting discoveries in that um, most DNA tests that you get done like uh, Ancestry or 23andMe, uh, MyHeritage, um, FamilyTreeDNA, um, those are probably the four most popular. And um, we have, like, in our chromosomes, we have these genes. Um, and there's there are different lengths and segments and positions and all of that. And they're called SMPs. And um, each of those tests process about 650 to 700,000 of these SMPs. And... Um, in the grand scheme of our full genome, uh, there is around 300 million of those. Um, and so the tests are processing just a fraction of the amount of data that's really there. And then if you compare the tests, say um, Ancestry's DNA test with 23andMe's DNA test, even though they're both doing maybe 700,000 SMPs, the number of those that are the same 
are less than half in most cases, like around 40%. And, uh, and so it just kind of gives you, uh, in looking at it, it gives you an impression of just how much data there really is in our DNA. Like I, I just took, um, the, the information from chromosome one. Okay. My information for chromosome one. And, um, I went with, uh, three tests, Ancestry, MyHeritage, and 23andMe. And I took all their data uh, from chromosome one, which it's all formatted basically in the same way, and put it into an Excel spreadsheet. And then I did a sort and, um, and then eliminated duplicates. And what was interesting was out of 157,000 lines of data, these genes in my chromosome, uh, number one, uh, out of all three tests combined, there was uh, only 10,000 that were duplicated. 10,000 out of 157,000. So, like, whenever we get these DNA tests, like, they're focusing on specific bits of information. But there's so much more data out there that they're not even paying attention to. They're not processing. They're not tapping into or anything like that. And uh, so it was very eye-opening. Um, and so what I found is like with chromosome 1, um, all of them average around 50, like around 50,000 SMPs. But in reality, there's... Uh, several hundred thousand that are actually there. Um, and so our conscious mind is very, very much the same way. If you look at our subconscious and our unconscious minds as representing the full genome of our DNA, and then our conscious mind is the ancestry DNA test, it's plugging into a fraction of what we really know. In other words, we know so much more. We understand so much more than what we're consciously aware of. Unless we go into third-party processing, quote-unquote, um, and Mental Masterminds is a great one of those ways to do that. Find something that will move past our objections because we have a lot of walls built up in our conscious minds that prevent certain types of information from getting through. Um, those walls might be belief systems. It might be uh, cultural uh, conditioning. It might be um, spiritual upbringing. It could be any number of things that conditions and filters the types of information that gets into our conscious mind, which is why uh, I think you know, the, the old saying that's been attributed to Einstein, and I don't know if he actually said it or not, but about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, the definition of insanity, right? And so we uh, find ourselves in those kinds of scenarios of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result because of these filters, because of the conditioning. And so the um, the mental masterminds, the pacing that I do, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's just another way to get past 
the conditioning to get past the filters. Um, there's other methods that you can use, like um, meditation, of course, uh, yoga, um, and Tai Chi, you know, some of those uh, slow movement uh, kinds of things, um, which I don't do. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine me doing <laughs> yoga positions? I tried it once or twice. I dated a yoga instructor for a brief period of time. And I swear to God, she was just trying to kill me. But anyway, uh, it was a long time ago. Um, and then, of course, one of one of the ones that I particularly enjoy is um, sensory deprivation chambers. Okay, like uh, uh, float tanks. Uh, we have a, a local float place. And again, I mean, I, I've gotten a lot out of those and then I just don't go for whatever reason. Say I'm busy or whatever, but that's just not true. Um, but basically the way they work, at least ours, they, um, you know, they're these tanks. They kind of look like pods um, and they're filled with uh, salt water, Epsom salt water. And um, they're plenty big enough for you to lay in there and float without touching the sides or anything like that. And ours are set up with, um, uh, lights inside. If you have an issue with darkness, there's music, you know, real nice music, meditative music that plays. Um, but all of those things can be turned off. And then the room that they're in has a motion detector light in it. And so whenever the light goes off, it's dark like really dark because uh, everything is sealed. There's no windows or anything like that. And so um, the way our place is set up, it's uh, 75 minutes that you're in there. And um, I always turn off everything. So no music, no lights, no anything. And uh, so you can literally hold your hand, you know, a quarter of an inch from your nose and you would not be able to see it. Uh, if you ever try to do that, you just want to be careful that you don't drip the salt water in your eyes, um, because it will not be a good time for you. Um, ask me how I know, <laughs> but anyway, so because of the, uh, amount of salt that's in the water, you have buoyancy, you float, and it's probably the closest experience, um, of floating in space that you could ever have short of, you know, being one of those planes that, you know, gives you the ability to be weightless for a short period of time, uh, or actually traveling into space. So you're floating there in total silence, in total darkness. And, um, some people I know that will just freak them the hell out. Um, cause they feel claustrophobic or whatever the case may be. Um, I love it. I didn't know how I would like it, if I would like it or not. I was a little wary of it, honestly. Um, but I noticed that, uh, and I do a lot with mental discipline. So um, I've been through things that have really forced me to control my mind in some ways that were very unexpected. Um, and so I think because of some of those experiences, going into a, a deprivation chamber is easy for me because I've learned how to control my mind. I've learned how to calm myself down and all of that, but I've got some really cool insights there. And, um, it, so it's just another method of tapping into the same information. 
Uh, sweat lodges is another good example of uh, a form of mastermind, except it's not a typical mastermind when you think business mastermind. And it's certainly not, well, to me, it's just as much mental as it is experiential. But uh, that was one that I really struggled with. Um, I was, it wasn't like a fly by night, you know, pseudo native spiritual dude, you know, just doing these things for money. Um, it was led by uh, a Cherokee elder and like everyone were, everybody in there was native. Um, and, uh, several chiefs and, you know, folks like that. And then there was like me, <laughs> they invited me along for whatever random reason. And so it was a very traditional sweat lodge, meaning that it was built out of willow branches and everything just like, you know, it's been done for hundreds of years. And, um, all the rocks, there was a rock tender. Uh, everything was superheated on a separate uh, separate fire using specific kinds of wood and all of that. I mean, it was very, very traditional and, um, and darkest bit. I mean, just, you couldn't even see in front of you except whatever they bring in the rocks. And then, you know, they would do prayers and pour the water on the rocks and sing songs and stuff like that. And, um, this was probably, probably 10 or 12 years ago, I think that I did that. And, um, it got so hot in air and so moist, it freaked me out. And I felt like I couldn't breathe and I started to panic. And, um, like I was literally at the end of myself. I was in major freak out mode. Like if you went underwater and, you couldn't, you know, you're running out of breath, but you couldn't get up because you're being pulled down. Um, it was that kind of experience. It just freaked me out so bad. Like I just wanted to jump over the chiefs and say, excuse me. And you know, out, uh, and I couldn't do that if for no other reason, just to save face. Um, and so I found myself in this battle where I had to get control of my mind. Cause I recognize that even though this is very visceral, um, the experience that I wonder what, I wonder if this was all really just a mental discipline. Like that's the conclusion that I came to, which I'm grateful that I did because it forced me to calm my mind. Like I had to consciously make an effort you got this, you can do this and just started like speaking peace to myself and, you know, those kinds of things. And it took me out of that place of fight or flight, uh, into a, a very Zen kind of thing. And so then once I got there, um, all of a sudden I didn't feel the heat anymore. And it was like freaking 160 degrees in there at least. I mean, it had to be that hot. Um, and, um, so made it through and, um, uh, they ended the sweat and then they decided, let's do a second sweat. Let's do a, like a warrior sweat, you know, just kind of crank things up and get the additional benefit. And I'm like, yeah, I got this now. I figured this out, you know? <laughs> and so there was a slightly smaller group of us, maybe, 
five or six of us sitting in this sweat and they brought in more rocks than what we had before and poured the water on and um and i figured you know after my major victory of overcoming my mind the first time that the second time would be easy except that it wasn't what happened was I freaked out again, like, and I'm not like screaming, freaking out. I mean, this is like a whole mental, like, shit, <laughs> I'm screwed here. You know, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to do something. Um, you know, I couldn't breathe. The air was very moist and heavy and it was dark, so I couldn't see. And it was just freaking me the hell out. And, uh, and I knew it was hot. Ultimately, one of the, um, chiefs actually um <laughs> fell over uh and we had to end it because it, he couldn't take it he got overwhelmed by the heat and fortunately he was okay um but uh, again i had to go through the same process of calming my mind and uh getting to in that space of safety and you know knowing that it was all just a mental game um, and I use the word game very lightly. Um, and once again, I got to that place where I didn't feel the heat and all of that. Now I didn't see like the universe unfold or, you know, these three dimensional pictures showing up where like some people experience, like that wasn't my experience. <coughs> but one thing that was cool was, um, coming out of that experience, uh, we were doing, this is, um, in Kentucky in March. So it was pretty chilly, maybe high forties. And, uh, so coming out of a sweat like that at such an extreme temperature and experience into the light and into the cold, uh, it was very much like a birthing process. Uh, very powerful, just like coming out into the world again was, it was probably as, powerful as the experience being in there and i remember later on uh talking to one of the clan mothers and um she asked me about it i was sitting beside her and she asked me about you know how it was because she knew it was my first time and i was, i said i'll be honest with you it freaked me out at first uh, until i realized that i could control my response based uh, based on controlling my mind. And she just smiled and shook her head. And she said, well, now you understand why our ancestors have done it for so long. And, uh, it just kind of clicked for me, you know, like that experience just clicked it for me. And then, um, moving later on into mental masterminds the experience is very similar uh to be honest with you um except for one major thing uh it's not freaking hot <laughs> although there's been a few times where i've you know kind of went through the process in the shower but i have control over the water temperature so that's different um you know, and you don't feel like you're going to die because you're in more control since it's in your mind and you're controlling it. Uh, but in a lot of respects, it's very, very similar. Um, 
you know, to those other uh, types of things like the deprivation chambers and the uh, sweat lodge, which really is a type of deprivation chamber as well. Just an older version of the same thing. Um, and so if you've never experienced something like that, or if you've never taken time to like even picture one person, somebody you admire or somebody you'd love to talk to or whatever, and just picture them in your mind's eye sitting in front of you or a group of them, you know, at, with as little influence or external influence as possible from you. And just ask them a question and then listen without trying to put words in their mouth, without trying to guess what they may say or anything like that. Um, just see what happens. It may surprise you uh, what comes through. And I like I don't. I've never been in a seance, you know, so I can't say, you know, like if some long lost relative comes through the medium or whatever, like I I. I've never had that experience, so I can't say that it would be like that. Um, I have had times where I've felt that um, relatives that, that have crossed over have come to me with messages that were very out of the blue. Um, like where I knew that I knew that it was them, like my dad or my grandmother or whatever. Um and in some ways, it's not unlike that either, except that those experiences were, well, I don't really know how to describe them. They were just different. Um, but the mental mastermind, I, the thing that I really like the most, I think, just in wrapping it all up, is that we can do them anytime, anywhere, with any person, and actually get some very, very interesting feedback and results. Is it us or is it them or is it aliens? Is it God? Don't know. But my bet is that it's probably just our subconscious. Maybe with some influence from other powers. I mean, we certainly live in a very interesting, abundant universe. So anyway, I want to take a couple minutes to look at comments and questions. And uh, then we'll wrap things up. Uh, Tony asks, will you be on Jim's cruise next year? Um, yeah, we're planning on going for sure. I've been on most of his cruises. Um, I think I might have missed the last one that he did. I don't remember now, but I've been on a few of them. Spoke on one or two of them. But uh, absolutely. Mavis says, okay, when I have my imaginary mastermind group, I won't serve you beer. Pizza, yes, and beer for the others who I don't know yet. But what kind of beverage would you like your imagined self to have? Well, <laughs> my drink of choice these days is uh, Zevia uh, Cola. Because as far as carbonated beverages go, it's probably one of the most healthy because there's no artificial anything. There's no sugar or anything like that in it. It's just sweetened with Zevia. Um, so I'm fine with that or bottled water. 
And uh, Mavis says, and thanks for the reminder. I used to do this a zillion years ago and it always worked. Yeah, it always, it always has for me as well, which is sad in the respect that we get these things in our life that makes a huge impact on us. And then we forget about them, which <laughs> makes you question how much do we really want to change, you know? Um, let's see. Tony said, who was that Joe you mentioned? Uh, Dr. Joe Vitale. Um, I think his web, his website is mrfire.com. At least that's what it used to be. I assume that it's still the same. Mrfire.com. And the reason why I picked him was because, um, whenever I, um, like I started my own design business in 2000, January 1st of 2000 is when I officially became an entrepreneur and started my own business. And it was a graphic design business where I worked for a number of different organizations and maybe five or six different publishers, uh, doing book covers and magazines and DVD jackets, all kinds of stuff like that. And, um, Around 2005, I realized that my industry was really changing and um, I was basically working hours for dollars. You know, there's so many book covers that one person can design in a week and I didn't want to put together a team or anything like that. So as I've shared in other uh, times, I literally went to Google and typed in make money online. And uh, it, the search results were a lot different then than what they would be today. Um, but because uh, you're talking like 13 years ago. Um, and one of the first sites that came up was MrFire.com, which was Joe Vitale. And as I read through his site, I just, it just clicked with me. And around that time, he had uh, released a PDF book for free called spiritual marketing, which, uh, he had written for his sister and then, uh, later turned that book into, um, a printed book called the attractor factor. And, uh, so I read spiritual marketing and then when attractor factor came out, um, I read that. And then around that same time, right after spiritual marketing, he had written a book with um Jim Edwards. Um and he like so I found out about Jim Edwards through Joe Vitale. Um and so I knew that like I I just clicked with Joe or with uh Jim as well. I mean Jim was a lot more direct. Um you know very snarky which I liked. Um and so Later on, when I made some connections with um, uh, David Hancock and Morgan James Publishing, I found out through David that he was actually publishing two different books with uh, Joe and Jim Edwards. And so he asked me if I wanted to design the covers. And of course, I said yes. Um, and so that began a process of me, you know, becoming friends with those guys um, later on, um, one of Joe's close friends 
at the time, Pat O'Brien, was having an event where he was buying copies of my public domain codebook book and using them as a workbook in his events. And so I said, well, rather than you teach my stuff, why don't you just have me teach my stuff? <laughs> He's like, well, that's a good idea. Come on down. And so um, I ended up speaking at one of his own seminars, one of the early ones. Well, I spoke at most of them after that first time. And um, Joe was one of the speakers there. So I got to meet him and become friends with him. And then later at a big seminar by Armin Warren, I got to meet Jim, become friends with him. And so it's just, it's been really cool that some of these guys that are, you know, that I were really mentors of mine without them even knowing it, <laughs> that ultimately I got to become friends with them and all of that. I'm not saying that you will if you do mental masterminds, but. Um, like I have yet to meet Bob Proctor, um, who I'd love to really meet and talk to, um, or Marcus or any of those I haven't met. Uh, Tony says, I've seen one of those float rooms. Uh, they did it for 30 minutes, if I remember right. I didn't try it, but my partner did. She absolutely hated it. <laughs> I think I'd cope with it okay. I do meditation and she doesn't. Yeah, I thought it would scare me, uh, you know, that I would freak out like I did. Like, I literally re recall whenever I first got into it, I kept the lights on, I kept the music on, because I was very apprehensive about, you know, the whole um, sweat lodge experience. And uh, now, uh, one of the little fun things that I like to do whenever I go to those now is that I know that there's 75 minutes, but there's no way of judging that until like the voice comes on and tells you that your time is up. And so what I like to do now is just like implant this thought that I will, um, step out of the uh, float tank before the announcement comes, but within five minutes of it. In other words, to somehow just know that 75 minutes has passed. Um, and I can nail it just about every time. The one uh, experience that I had, it was kind of funny, um, is I was in there and I was having this like vision type experience and I was looking for some answers. And I found myself on this elevator and I knew that the elevator, like I was on an upper floor and it was taking me down to floor one. So it's counting down. And I knew that um, on the bottom floor, when the doors opened, that the answer that I was looking for was there. Like, I just somehow knew that. And um, <laughs> so I'm literally in this float tank. In my mind's eye, I'm seeing this elevator counting down, you know. And it's getting closer to one. And I could feel the excitement rising. I could feel the anticipation rising. And it gets to one. And I literally hear a ding, just like you normally would. And I see the elevator doors starting to open. And I hear, your float time has ended. <laughs> the voice coming through. And I'm like, no! 
<laughs> give me another minute or two. It was like the timing was just so incredibly perfect. It was it was crazy. I I still laugh about it today. And what's funny is the gal who um, does that, um, who monitors that, her parents actually own that business. And uh, she is our social media manager now um, for our stores and all of that. She works for us. We have our own payroll. But, um, but back then, she didn't work for us. And it was just kind of funny to have that experience. Uh, Thumper asks, where do we find the replays? Um, if you go to, well, there are two different places. Um, they're on iTunes. If you do a search for Nerd Unscripted on iTunes, you can find them there as podcasts. Or if you go to um, soundcloud.com and do a search there, you can find it. The easiest thing to do, um, since I don't publish the... Uh, since I don't publish the video, I can show you this since you're here live. Um, if you go to Nerd Unscripted, the actual website, and scroll down to the bottom, you'll see where it says uh, Replays on SoundCloud. Let me close that. Replays on SoundCloud, also available on iTunes. Um, and so if you click on the replays in SoundCloud, you'll see that they're all here. And so you can listen to them all here. Okay, so they're all just audio. I'm just using GoToWebinar as a delivery method because, well, that's what I'm familiar with. Uh, Robert says, what if you don't know the people in your mastermind? Would it work to invite people only based on the issue du jour and allow the whatever to fill in the names? Um, I don't usually know half the people that are there. Um, like I know who Marcus Lemonis is because I, you know, watch the prophet just like many do. Um, but I don't know him personally. Um, and Joseph Murphy, I mean, I read his books, but he's not even living anymore. So, um, you know, I, I don't know him. I've never met Bob Proctor, but I've read his books, listened to his teachings and stuff. So in my mind's eye, it's actually better if you don't know who it is in some cases, uh, because that way you're not, it's not as tempting or as easy to influence the outcomes that you get. That's based on my experience. Uh, Mark says, um, so have you ever tried any regression exercises in the isolation tank, like in the altered states movie? Um, I have not, but it sounds like something interesting. Oh, Joseph Murphy. Yeah, I would encourage any of you, if you've not read <clears throat> any of Joseph Murphy's books, um, I'd really encourage you to check them out. Um, there's a lot of them, and everyone that I've read has been excellent. Um, Kathleen says, Jung taught that our subconscious has access to the shared subconscious of everyone, if we know how to get there. 
The key is trance, uh, deep concentration, which can be achieved in many different ways. Different methods work for different people, so choices. Yeah, I could see that to be true um, because the study that I've done on archetypes um, definitely hints at that fact uh, because it doesn't matter where you go in the world or what the culture is or whatever. The same archetypes exist there. Uh, they may take on a different name or form, but they're still there. Uh, and just that fact alone shows that there's a shared, uh, well, you said shared subconscious, and I would say that it definitely points to that, but even unconscious as well. Not that we're like a full hive mind, but there's definitely some indicators for sure. Oh, cool. Mavis says, uh, just checked. Uh, Joe Vitale's Spiritual Marketing is still a free download. Yeah, it was a good read. Um, the latest version of um, uh, Law of, or uh, Attractor Factor, which has been updated with new material and stories and stuff. Um, if you, if you want to read, I would recommend getting that version, the newest version. Um, it just came out a couple years ago. We bought a bunch of copies of it. Uh, just to give away to uh, employees and friends and stuff like that. Uh, nerd, yeah, the second post, Thumper, uh, Nerd Unscripted, yeah. Um, Tony says, I like it when Bob Proctor is asked to describe what he does for a living. And his reply is, I'm a salesman. Now there's honesty for you. We all are. Uh, if you think about it, we're all salesmen. It's what we do. Um, Mark says, I've done the historical figure mastermind for years. The weird takeaway for me is that the answers I get are sometimes not my vibe, tone, or even way of thinking. Kind of disconcerting. Yeah, um, to me, that's a sign that we're getting legit responses, but it also falls under the be careful what you wish for, um, you know, which is why I've really started getting pretty picky in who I let into my mastermind, uh, even though it's in my head. You know, I'm definitely tailoring some of those more to a specific outcome rather than just randomly, you know, because it. it I don't know. The mind is a fascinating thing to study. All right. Well, that's all that I have. And appropriately enough, we're going to end at 1111. Uh, so uh, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And um, we'll reconvene here together next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And... Uh, Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it.